right, Romans chapter 8. We were supposed to uh, theoretically make it to uh, chapter, I mean verse 13 last week, but we made it to verse, about verse 4. So, let's see what we can do to overcome my, uh, that's like starting, that's like starting your golf game out uh, nine strokes under, or, or, you know, with nine strokes. Okay, Romans chapter 8. Basically, we're going to, we're talking about a mindset, a change of uh, our worldview, our, our, you know, our bearings are set on things spiritual, not on things on the earth. So in uh, verse 3, he says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. Okay, weak through the flesh means it was weak in that we couldn't keep anything to do with the law. We, we just we couldn't do it. God had to give us something to show us that we can't do it. So we say, how can we, how can we do it? Well, we can do it through the Spirit. In, <clears throat> it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sin, sinful flesh. That word likeness means similitude. It means uh, basically just like us, but He did not sin. In verse 4, it says, it, it talks about that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, we, we talked about in verse 7, or chapter 7, about the righteousness of the law. It was holy and it was good. It just, we couldn't be justified by it. What was the law for? It was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It was to teach us that in this flesh we can't, we can't do anything. It's, it says, who, notice in verse 1 it said, um, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In verse 4, it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We find out uh, that when God repeats something twice, it's like when uh, Brother uh, Chad was bringing the uh, lessons there in Genesis. He, in that the dream was told twice, that it was going to quickly come to pass, and that it was set. When God repeats something, it's... Uh, He's not just filling up a blank spot that was left somewhere in the manuscripts that was going to be here. He says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we've got to have that mindset. You understand? We've got to have that mindset that we want to walk after the spirit. Now, verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind, mind, get it? The things of the flesh. It's what you're paying attention to. It's what you're watching. It's what you're reading. It's what you're exposing yourself to. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. We want to go over to uh, Galatians chapter 5 real quick. I don't want to say real quick a lot of times, so just hope you've had your coffee this morning. Chapter 5, verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, he's going to give us a list so that we will know if we're walking in the flesh or not. It's kind of like uh, Brother Connor hiding up in the weeds somewhere, checking to see if you watched it. You saw that uh, 
the third speed limit sign that just changed from, you know, speed limit 55. And then you go to into a curve, the speed limit's 45. And then so he gets you for going 10 mile an hour over. You know what I'm saying? The last one you saw was 55. Yeah. There he is. See, he knows those tricks. Anyway, he says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, strife, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Sounds like a democratic party, doesn't it? <clears throat> oh, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> Envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, let's go right on, right on down, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So we can see through that list quickly if we're walking in the flesh or if we're walking in the Spirit. Pretty easy. So what, uh, in, in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 5, let's go back there. <clears throat> For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now we just saw two separate lists there. In your life, can you like check off? I always, uh, I have customers, they'll call me up and say, you know, my whatever I'm working on is doing this or doing that or doing this, and I need this done, and I need this done, and I need this. I, I just tell them, I work really good with a list. Just give me a list, and I'll go down the list, take care of the problems. Just give me a list. That way I don't leave anything out. I used to hate text messaging. Now, this was years and years ago. But I just, I just, I'd rather talk to somebody on the phone. I'd rather, you know, interact with them in person. But I've found out over the years that in business, text messaging is really nice because you got it right there. This is what they texted me. This is the list they gave me. Oh, you didn't do this. Well, it's not on your list. You see, so it's, you know, I text all the time now. Okay, with that. So what, I'm, what we got there in Galatians chapter 5 is two contrasting lists, and you can check out your heart and your mind and what you're thinking about and see, are you walking in the spirit? Or are you walking in the flesh? Is what you're doing spiritual or carnal? So, in, uh, let's go to Ephesians real quick. There I go, real quick. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Verse 15, uh, it says, see then, now what is, I was a plant manager for, I don't know, a total of about 11 years, and if I was telling one of my workers something, maybe they had messed up a few times doing this, I said, see that you do it like this, see that you get this done. In other words, I was letting them know 
I wanted this done. I mean, I didn't yell at people, didn't scream at people. I just, uh, I would just say, see that you get this done. They would know I'm serious. No screaming, no yelling, no cursing, none of that stuff. Just see that you get this done. And because I wanted to, I wanted to be able to forget about it and know that it was going to be done. And it would be done the way I wanted it done. In the same way with my, my children, I'd say, hey, uh, this is what I need you to do. Get this done. One, uh, illustration, one day uh, we, we had this, we had got this uh, frame out of, a, out of a camper. They're pretty flimsy. You know, you can't use it to haul much or anything like that. So they were tearing down, tearing down a little, one of those wooden bridges down the road from us. And so I went down there and said, hey, can I, can I get the lumber from this? You know, and that stuff is, I mean, it's like two inches thick, you know, eight inches wide. So it's real stiff, real good stuff. So we got that. And then one day before I went to work, I said, Alan, I need you to, I need you to lay these boards down and put three bolts in each one. That's all we'll need. Just put three bolts, put lock, make sure you put lock washers on the bottom and all that, you know, drill them out, blah, blah, blah. He was probably 11 or 12 when I told him, to, told him this. I got home and there were three bolts, three bolts, three bolts, three bolts, three bolts in each board. All I wanted was three bolts per board. He put about, I mean, he did a good job, man. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't coming apart. I looked at that and I said, son, you did a really good job. <laughs> but what I wanted was just, you know, three bolts because that's all it would have taken. But in his mind, he, that's, what he, that's what he was thinking of. Now, that's why in our minds we have to understand what uh, the scripture is saying in the, the book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu, uh, his, he's got a, a, a story in there about he had these two women and he put them in charge of this, basically a platoon of women and to, and to um, train them to do a certain task. He came back and uh, they didn't really get it done. So he said, okay, my rule is, is that I probably didn't give my instructions plain enough. So they, they misunderstood. I just use you as an illustration, Alan. You should have been here. I, I, didn't, I didn't explain exactly what I wanted. I was telling him about the time I told you to put three bolts in the board on the trailer. He's still not listening to me. I was telling him about the time they put the... Three, three bolts, three bolts in each board on the trailer, and he put like a hundred bolts in the whole trailer. You know, three, three, three. But anyway, I look at it like that, uh, like Sun Tzu said in his book *Art of War*. I didn't explain it well enough, so he explained it to the women again, gave them another chance. They didn't, still didn't do it right. They didn't take him seriously, so he cut their heads off. And he put two more women in charge, and he explained to them what he wanted. Guess what? They, they got it. Okay. So the, the moral of that was not cutting people's heads off. The moral of that was make sure that you are explaining it in such a way. Now, I learned you explain it to someone. Now, I look at him and I say, okay, Josh, tell me what I just told you. Explain to me what I just asked you to do and have them explain. I said, Okay, you got most of it right. This, 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 and this. You have to give clear instructions. So 
how you know if you're walking in the spirit or in the flesh? God just gave us clear instructions. Okay? What kind of, what kind of an attitude do you have? When, it, when, when something goes wrong, what comes out? It's just like when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You get whatever's inside. So when you put the pressure on, when someone puts the pressure on you and you burst out in anger or you curse, you swear, you, uh, that's what's inside of you. It doesn't need to be there. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You, you get what I'm saying? When, you, when the squeeze gets put on you, what comes out? Okay, so... And how do you get that? How do you get the right stuff in so that when you do get the squeeze, it, you know, like I was saying in the men's breakfast yesterday, if I hit my, uh, I, I've, I've been very mechanical all my life and done a lot of carpentry and done a lot of, you know, working on cars, engines, rebuilding cars, you know, all that stuff. And you're going to smash your thumb. You're going to pinch your finger. So what do you say when your kid's standing there? You're just going to let out a string of curse words? No. You know what I would I'd say, man, that felt good. I want to do that again, but just not right now. Isn't that right? It's exactly what they, my, my children, praise the Lord, have never heard me say one curse word. Wow. Now, why is that? Not, not because I'm something special. Because God took that away from me. Because I cursed worse than a sailor before I got saved. I was a Marine. You know what I'm saying? We got to outdo everybody. Yeah, God took that stuff away from me. He just he, praise the Lord. You understand? And so when the squeeze gets put on, it says here: See then that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly. Yeah, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly means like like perfect. Uh, exact, um, not just, you know, looking around, but it's like, see that you walk right. Not as fools. Let me give you a little, a little tiny lesson here. You probably already know it, but uh, we are, we are, we believe in the millennium. Someone who doesn't believe in the millennium is an ah, millennialist. That, that letter Ah, is a, it negates the word after. So here's the Greek word for wise. It's sophos. Guess what the Greek word for fool is? Ah, sophos. That means no wisdom. <laughs> None. So sophos, ah, sophos. I thought that was pretty cool. It says, see that you, do, that you walk circumspectly. How can we do that? We've got the list over there in Galatians chapter 5. Just That's a general list. Uh, Paul gives several lists. All right, let's, let's go on to uh, verse 6. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Now, there's more than one kind of death. I read a meme earlier that said some, some people are born and then they, they die for the next 75 years. It's to be carnally minded is death. It's death. It's, it's spiritual death. It's 
death to your prayer. It's death. It's an emotional death. It's an intellectual death because we don't study our Bibles. And I've got a ton of references there that we are not going to go over because I've got to get. I got to get going. But to be carnally minded is death. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter one real quick. There we go. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now, what did we just read? Be circumspect, right? Carnally minded is death. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. We like to go back to 1963 when they took prayer out of schools. Now, that's, that's a blanket statement. Actually, when Carol and I were in uh, high school in Dallas Independent School District, they actually offered a course in New Testament survey of which we took. So it was actually a pretty good history on the New Testament in the public school. So not all schools were like that, but that's when, it, that's when our Supreme Court decided, oh, we don't need prayer in schools. I also remember we prayed every morning. Uh, before that, we prayed in the morning. There was someone would read a verse over the intercom. You understand what I'm saying? That was the way school used to be back in the day. So it says here in, in verse uh, 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now, if, you, if you're not reading your Bible, you're not studying, you're not uh, being around people of like faith and having fellowship, then you're not retaining God in your knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. I hate to even bring this, this up, but it just shows you how far we've gone. Uh, science, that amorphous word science, has decided that pedophilia is, a, is something that cannot be, if you're a pedophile, it's, it's like you being heterosexual. It's, it's just the way, you, it's the way you are. Nothing you can do about it. That is reprobate. <laughs> okay? And God God is giving giving these people over to a reprobate mind. How can you say I am I'm a black lesbian. I identify as a black lesbian. Female. You're going to say that's okay? Anybody with common sense? Say, no, you're not. You're either male or you're female. You go to the plumbing store, you're looking either for a male or a female fitting. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, a biological male cannot get pregnant, cannot have a baby. But boy, when you say that, they go, oh, you, you don't know that. So reprobate mind to do those things which are not Convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, malicious, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, 
covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God. Now, you listen to this. They know the judgment of God. They choose to ignore it. Who knowing the judgment of God. That they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's why the movies, the whatever, you know, I don't, I don't watch TV, so, you know, all the whatevers is out there. The depravity, the murder, the, uh, the deceit, the whatever else, whatever the listing is, or you, you watch that stuff, you're having pleasure in them that do them. You're worthy of death. You're worthy of who knowing the judgment of God. I, there was, I'm on a, a, a forum that's a Marines find your platoon. In other words, you're searching for members you went through boot camp with in your platoon. There's one guy's, one guy just decided he was just going to go on a rant about how that his, uh, his father, who was a uh, very strict disciplinarian, made him go to church all his life, and he says that his mother asked him if he was saved, and he goes, if I, if I didn't get saved by being forced to go to church in 18 years, then I guess I'm not saved. So being disrespectful to his mother, and there was a lot of, it's a Marines only thing, you know, a lot of guys that got on there and said, hey, look, and they were preaching to him the gospel, telling him, you know, that's not the right way to be and everything else. So I had to chime in a little bit. But what I'm saying is, is that it's not your parents' fault because they made you go to church. That was a good thing. It's your heart. So let's go, let's go back to um, Romans chapter 8. You've got spiritual death, you've got death of your prayer, you've got emotional death, and you've got intellectual death. And those things will happen if you're carnally minded. You won't. But but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's just there's no condemnation. Remember we went over condemnation and conviction. There's no condemnation. If I go out here, if I pull out in front of a Mack truck out here, that's what us old timers call 18 wheelers is Mack trucks, and it runs over my wife and I, we're going to be in heaven. Boom. Do I want that to happen? Nope. Don't really. I want to go, I want to go up in the rapture. Verse 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity means it's, it's a a state of opposition, opposite of friendship, unfriendly disposition. So it's, you ever talk to someone about the Lord and they say, I don't even want to hear it. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. That's what it's talking about. Enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If you've got your mind made up that you, uh, that you're going to hate on God, you can't receive instruction. God's not going to show you anything. He's just not going to do it. So in uh, subject, the, the definition of being subject is a voluntary attitude of giving in. Do you, 
Do you, do you have a voluntary attitude to give in to what God is asking you to do? Do you have a voluntary attitude? Or are you going, eh? You know, it's kind of like asking someone to take the trash out. Do you do it voluntarily? Or are you just, you say, well, that's, man, that's kind of simple. Well, it's, here's how simple it is. Three roommates in college, a white, a black, and a female, a white female, black male, white male. And one of them asked the black male, said, look, it's your turn to take the trash out. This is serious. This just happened. This just happened. Well, he got mad. It's like who you telling me to take the trash out. Well, it's your turn. You know what I'm saying? Well, he didn't like that. He didn't like that so much that he killed both of his roommates because he told him, don't ask me to take the trash out again or I'll kill you. So he said, well, you know, it's your turn. Goes out to his car, gets his AK-47, and shoots them both because he didn't want to take the trash out. Come on. You just took two people's lives because you didn't like it because they told you to take, it was your turn to take the trash out. They didn't, just, they didn't tell you to take the trash out. It's, just, it's your turn. Voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. That's what God asked us to do. That's what, that's what God asked us to do. In verse 8, it says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We've already went over the list of what the fleshly works are. You see how it's a, like we talked about last week, it's a conversion. It's, it's changing your mind. It's kind of like when I went into boot camp. Do you think I liked being told, you know, when I could eat, when I could go to the bathroom, when I could get a drink of water? When, I mean, to get a drink of water. Boom, 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 sir. Private Smith reporting his order. Or, uh, request permission to get a drink of water, sir. Go away, puke. I had to go back to your, whatever you were doing. Boom, 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 sir, Private Smith. And about the fourth time you ask, they say, 25 push-ups. You get 25 push-ups, and you go get your drink of water, and then you go back to doing what you were doing. You had to, you had to ask permission for everything. My wife writes a letter. Her first letter, she wrote me to boot camp. Uh, you know, swack, you know, S-W-A-K, sealed with a kiss, you know. 25 push-ups for each one of those letters before you could get your letter from your wife. So I immediately wrote her and said, don't write anything on the outside of that envelope except for the return address and da-da-da. You see, uh, teach you real quick. Uh, so what do we do? It's, what, what were they doing? They were changing my mindset. They were converting the way I thought, the way um, my ability to process the information in the way they wanted it done, right? Just like when you went to trooper school, same thing. You know, you did it. It's my way or the highway, you see, or you get punished a bunch. So, verse 8 again, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's just straight up, that's plain, that's simple. If you're in the flesh, you can't please God. You don't have a voluntary attitude to do what God wants you to do, then uh, you cannot please God. To please God means to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of another, to be agreeable. When, when the Lord shows you something in the scriptures, you should accommodate yourself to do 
thing. Okay, I'm fixing to cook hamburgers Monday night. Smash burgers. I'm gonna I'm gonna do smash burgers. Okay. We have a member of our family that doesn't like onions on their burger, so I'm going to accommodate that person. You see what I'm saying? There's some people here that don't like stuff on their pizza. They just want pepperoni and cheese or whatever and sauce. Well, we try to accommodate that. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, some people just don't know how to eat. But anyway, so you're, you're to have that accommodating attitude. Do the same thing with the Lord, would you? We used to have uh, some really good friends of ours that were vegetarians. We'd invite them over and we'd have pork chops. No, we wouldn't. We would all eat salad. Okay, I like a good salad. Of course, I like a nice thick steak too. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that to my friends. Not gonna happen. Did I disagree with them? Oh yeah, wholeheartedly. I think the Bible disagrees with it. But you know what I'm saying? Do you have that accommodating spirit to God when God shows you something? If you're doing something that you think is right, you think in your heart is right, and you don't, and someone sheds light on whatever you're doing with, with Scripture, and God says, you know what? I, I don't need to do that. Do you, are you accommodating to, to what the Word of God says? Do you study it out? Do you figure it out and say, okay, you know what? Not just because somebody said this, but that opens up a pathway to study, and, you, and then the Lord goes, hey, you need to stop doing that. You need to be accommodating. Okay? So, in verse 9... It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the spirit of Christ? When the Bible is taught, or when you read your Bible, and, or when you're discussing something about the word of God, and something in your life is uh, maybe, just, maybe you're just doing something you're not, you shouldn't be doing. Maybe it not be outright sin, but it could be something that, you know what? It's causing someone else to stumble. Do you have that accommodating spirit and say, you know, uh, I'm not going to do that? Do you? Then if you have the spirit of Christ, that's the way you're going to be. Do you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, meekness? Do you have all that? It says in verse 10, if Christ be in you, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit because of righteousness. The body is dead. You're dragging around. We talked about we're dragging this old body around with us. You know what I'm saying? It's going to throw a fit every once in a while. What do you do with it? You put it under. That's what, that's what uh, Paul talked about, putting it under. Okay, so um, go to John 4.4. 4. Notice I didn't say my phrase. John 4.4. 4. Four twenty-two. Sorry, four twenty-two. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay. Thinking about your daily life, what do you do? Is it true? You don't know if it's true or not? Well, then study. 
Somebody asked me the other, the, uh, the other day, how do you study? You just have, they were asking me personally how I studied. And I explained to them, you know, basically how I studied. I, I, I studied pretty in-depth, and in, in, uh, I try. I don't assume that I know what a word means. I look them up. And usually you'll find out, we say, yeah, I kind of knew what it meant, but I didn't really. And when you really figure out what it means, then that opens up other verses and other things that, you, that you're going, oh, wow, okay, go over here. So what do you do? Is it true? Where do you do it? Is it proper? Why you do what you do? Is it from the Spirit or from the flesh? Study and see. Okay? Verse 11 in Romans chapter 8. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, what does that mean? The quicken means to be made alive. You know, the quick underneath your fingernails. You poke something under there. It's, yeah, you can feel that, can't you? So, what he said that he shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Your body will obey what your spirit tells it to do. If you allow it. He's quickened that. You see what I'm saying? It says... Uh, He'll come in, it says the word dwell in you. That's to abide as a permanent resident. I like that, don't you? Abide as a permanent resident. Are you saved? Then he raised Christ, he'll raise you. That should give you life and it should give you peace. By his spirit, capital S, that dwelleth in you. Pay attention to those capital S's and those little S's. Okay? In verse 12, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So we don't owe this flesh anything as far as spiritual. You ought to eat right. You ought to drink right. You ought to do all that. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> we don't owe this flesh anything. It was dragging us to hell. We don't owe it anything. So we're not debtors. We're not debtors to the flesh. To live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, in verse 13, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Mortify it means put it to death. Kill it. Kill that sucker. When he rises up, smack, smack him down. Uh-uh. Not going to do that. In... Um, Verse uh, 13, you, you, could, you could reference back to Romans 8, 6 again, um, where it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you want life and peace? Don't you like peace? Don't you like feeling alive? I do. And be spiritual. Be spiritual. Okay, verse 14, it says, We made it past last week's lesson now. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do you know you're a son of God? Because notice he uses the word led. That's what a shepherd does. You don't lead goats. You drive goats. 
If you've ever tried to get a goat's head out of a fence that he's got his head locked through, it's not going to happen by pushing on his head trying to get him out. I used to have a pet goat. I used to live around goats. You try pushing that goat's head through that fence. It, all you got to do is turn his head a little bit and just kind of push it through. You only got to push it through that far. Man, he locks in there, and he ain't, he's not letting you do it. You got to go around to the other side and jerk him through. Okay? Sheep are led. They will follow you. Okay? So, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Do you have to be driven or do you have to be led? Wait. Can, can the Spirit just speak to you and you're malleable? even though it may go against some things you're doing that you don't even know is wrong. And the Spirit speaks to you and you say, you know what? I don't care. Uh, Alice Cooper. Anybody know who Alice Cooper is? Anybody know Alice Cooper? Us old folks, most of us know who Alice Cooper was, right? He supposedly got saved. He's still got hair down past his shoulders and all that kind of stuff. I've watched some interviews with him and stuff. You know what? Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Doth not nature itself teach you that a man have long hair? It is a shame unto him. You ought to cut it off. Oh, Jesus had long hair. Well, you don't know that. I don't believe he did because oh, you've been watching those. You've been looking. You probably got a picture of that surfer dude on your wall, you know, that's got long hair and he's white and got blue eyes and, you know, if you saw the whole picture, he'd probably have a surfboard over here next to him. That was, that was some French artist in the 1500s that decided that's what Jesus looked like. Jesus was about this tall. He was dark-skinned, black hair, dark eyes. Read Song of Solomon. He was a Jew. There's no six-foot, blonde, white Jew walking around. I mean, study. Uh... It's a shame for a man to have long hair. The Bible says that. Okay? Does not nature itself teach you that? So it says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the Spirit, small, small s, notice that. You have not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear. So there's a spirit of bondage, small s. There's a spirit of bondage, and it's from the spirit of wickedness in high places again to fear, but ye have received the capital S, spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, we've gone over this before, is like a daddy or papa. It's like your kids when they call you daddy. I don't know. I never. I don't think I've ever had one of my kids say, "Father, can I have a drink?" No, I don't think so. You know, it was daddy. It was dad. And then whenever a dad hears their children say, "Hey, daddy," or "Hey, dad," it it opens up a line of communication there that's different than father. You know, it's just it's just uh, it's just different. Okay. So, you, we have not received the 
spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, capital S, itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we're led. We, we saw in verse 14, it means to led means to lead, guide, direct, to move, to impel of forces and influences of the mind. Okay, so God works on us and he leads us by influencing us through our mind. We receive the spirit of adoption in verse 15. We're talking about being, abduct, uh, about being abdu- adopted. It also means daddy or papa. Is it, is it a, you, you think it's, a, if you think it's disrespectful to call God daddy or papa, is we have received the spirit of adoption. We've received that spirit. Verse 16 says, the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Big S spirit bears witness with our little S spirit that we are the children of God. A child knows their dad, their father. They recognize it. A baby recognizes it. What's Harrison do when he sees you, buddy? His eyes light up, he smiles, and yeah, dad, dad, or whatever he says now, just lights up. Is that what you do when you see, when you study the word or when God speaks to you? He influences your mind on something. They recognize with facial expressions, their eyes light up, there's excitement, there's animation, there's attraction, there's comfort. And that's the same way we should feel with the Lord Jesus Christ. Should feel that same way. Verse 17, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Man, think about that. That means what Christ get, we get. We're joint heirs. That means... Yeah. That's like when you go to a Mexican restaurant and they say, um, is the check, you know, is it one check or all, you know, junto. Junto means together or separado. Okay, is it separate or is it together? You see, we're junto. We're together. It says, if so be that we suffer with them, that we may be also glorified together. So we not only are heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, man, isn't that going to be something? We're going to be glorified together with Jesus Christ. Man, just we can't even we can't hardly think of that. That's it's crazy. An heir is one who receives his allotted possession by right of sonship, a possessor. Joint heirs means participant in common. So we're in common. Verse 18 says, for I reckon, so Paul was a southerner, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. To reckon 
means to consider, to take into account, and it deals with reality. It refers more to fact than supposition or opinion, to weigh the reasons. In other words, think about what we just read about being joint heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I mean, that's, we know, I know we're not worthy. You know we're not worthy. But we are going to be glorified together with him. We're a participant in common of being an heir. It's, it's just amazing. And then in verse 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earnest expectation. It's a diligent, earnestly watching. That means we should be watching for the Lord to come back at any time. And it's got to be closer than 2,000 years ago. I mean, we're on the verge. A creature is anything created, and we'll get into that later about the, the creature, the, the whole creation grown us together until now. Uh, you remember when uh, the triumphal entry, when Jesus Christ was coming in to Jerusalem, and, he, and they were throwing their clothes down on the ground and the palm branches and everything, and the Pharisees said, man, what are y'all doing? And uh, Jesus said, listen, if these, if these were to hold their peace, the rocks would cry out. That's a creation. The rocks would cry out. Okay? So, we, uh, we made a little headway today. We might be able to make it. I don't know. So, I hope that, uh, I hope it was good for you. I hope you, understand, I hope you learned something. I hope you uh, keep these things in your mind and to walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your study, for your word, uh, for this chapter. And we ask, Lord, that you would just go with the rest of the services today and be according to your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.